One of the earliest scenes in the, Marbie, in the, the movie Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig and released in theaters this past July, features stereotypical Barbie played exquisitely by Margot Robbie on the dance floor of a Barbie land dance club. She line dances with other Barbies and several Kens who are competing for her affection. In mid-disco, and I am going to attempt to disco right now, so bear with me. In mid-disco, stereotypical Barbie says, have you guys ever thought about dying? The club music screeches to a halt and the other Barbies and Kens freeze and look at her mouths gaping with shock. Fortunately, the moment passes with not, not much, too much reflection and the Barbie disco resumes as if nothing out of the ordinary has occurred. After confronting her intrusive thoughts of death, and her unfortunate series of mishaps and malfunctions, stereotypical Barbie is compelled to visit Weird Barbie, played by the brilliant Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live, at her asymmetrical, primary colored, and just over-the-top awesome funhouse in the hills. The rumor had been spread in Barbie land that Weird Barbie used to be a beautiful Barbie, until the little girl who owned her played too hard with her and she ended up with rainbow crayon colored hair, sharpie tattoos, and a mohawk. Let me tell you, I have had a few weird Barbies when I was a child. They regularly practiced their acrobatics and rock climbing, fastened only with a neon rainbow bright shoelace around their wet waist, dangling from the windowsill of my ninth floor bedroom window. McKinnon's weird Barbie warms my heart and makes me feel like I maybe could have a place in Barbie land after all, if I wanted to. I really loved her house. This visit marks the beginning of stereotypical Barbie's seeming demise, along with other signs of malfunction, such as burnt Barbie waffles and sour non-milk, in the morning, cellulite on the thigh, and the horrid reality of unsculpted, unelevated flat feet. For those up who grew up playing with, with Barbie dolls, some of us may have accepted Barbie's augmented arch and lofty tiptoe perch as the Barbie's status quo. Did we ever stop to question why Barbie's feet were sculpted for high heels? Did we even know what high heels were at age three or four? I suspect some of us had thought about it. I remember being thrilled to discover that Skipper, Barbie's teenage friend, had flat feet. Finally, a well-fitting, comfortable sneaker could be matched with sporty jumpsuits and casual dresses during Barbie play. When I first selected Gloria Steinem quotes for our opening words today, Ember Kelly, our fourth U's fabulous director of religious education, mentioned the controversial association of one of the Steinem quotes with anti-trans attitudes. The Steinem quote that was omitted is, quote, if the shoe doesn't fit, must we change the foot? Not knowing its negative association, I chose the quote as a metaphor to represent the patriarchal dominance inflicted upon women and all people 
as revealed in the movie Barbie by Barbie's sculpted and then flat feet. As a feminist, it made sense to me that the mold of a manufactured perfect femininity be represented by an uncomfortable high heel shoe that contorts the natural shape of, human, of a human foot to reflect an impossible beauty standard. However, I realize now that this shoe met metaphor may not necessarily have to represent gender or the gender binary, and I am indebted to Ember for teaching me. Towards the end of the movie, stereotypical Barbie is escorted by the FBI to Mattel headquarters and Mattel's CEO, played by Will Ferrell, along with his entire male executive team, convinced Barbie to step back into her life-size Barbie merchandise box to reset her for a reset and to end the onset of existential death or malfunction crisis, ushering her into reality. She spots the trap just in time and slips out to use the restroom and then escapes. This Barbie toy box could represent different things to different people. It could be the prison of gender expectations and stereotypes enforced upon women, men, and all people. It could even represent gender itself to some and the belief that gender is altogether a social construct and that our true identities exist outside the gender binary. However, I see the metaphor of the Barbie box as relevant to trans and non-binary people as well. And the trauma of living in a body, a self that has been predetermined based on one's anatomy at birth a self that does not align with the person they are inside and feels inauthentic. This false self inflicted upon many has proven to be destructive to the mental and physical well-being of trans and non-binary, as well as cisgender young people and adults. The Barbie box could also represent patriarchy or capitalism or both, and any of the systems that oppress women and people who have been historically and are still currently oppressed. How do we reconcile the idea that gender is merely a social construct and, affirm, and affirms our true and authentic selves which exist beyond the gender binary with the idea that gender is intrinsically linked to one's authentic identity and not necessarily aligned with the, gen with the gender a child is assigned at birth? Next, we might question, do we really need to reconcile these two beliefs? Are they, in fact, mutually exclusive? Or can they coexist to serve and affirm the plurality of gender and gender non-gender identities that feel most authentic to people? Rather than focusing on this question, I think it may be more productive to consider the problem and detrimental effects of, of when one dominant social group oppresses and determines the identity and purpose of another subject, subject group. I'm currently reading John Dominic Crossan's 1995 book, Jesus, a Revolutionary Biography. In it, Crossan writes about what we can know historically about Jesus and his radical healing practices in the Roman world in the first century CE. Crossan recounts Jesus' healing of the Gerasene demoniac in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. The man is possessed by a demon, or demons, named Legion, named for one of the Roman legions of 5,000 to 6,000 soldiers who occupied territories in the Roman world at this time when Jesus was alive. 
Crossan remarks that the name of the demons is significant because Roman, the Roman Empire colonized its empire with these legions, which were sent to subdue each area and its population. The people who lived in these areas were indeed a colonized people. The story of Jesus casting out the demons of the Gerasene could therefore be interpreted as Jesus healing the social and political maladies of the colonized, of the colonized and the oppressed. Crossan writes that colonial oppression, or in this case, colonial possession, is seen to occur across cultures throughout history when one dominant social group conquers and subjects another. He says this colonial possession results in a, quote, split personality in the, coloni in the colonized, or what, would be, or what I would call as divided self or identity. Crossan writes that if the colonized quote, submit gladly to colonization, they conspire in their own destruction. If they hate and despise it, they admit that something more powerful than themselves, and therefore to some extent desirable, is hateful and despicable, end quote. Crossan calls Jesus and his disciples acts of healing, acts of, quote, symbolic revolution against the forces that oppress. The act of one social group dominating another is an act of aggression which not only dehumanizes and terrorizes subject populations, but also undermines and destroys the authentic identities of its subjects. Stereotypical Barbie in the movie undergoes both a symbolic death to unreality and depicts an act of ultimate healing and symbolic revolution through the character Gloria, played by the fabulous America Ferreira who is the executive assistant to Mattel's CEO and the mother of a teenage daughter who's long rejected her Barbies. Gloria takes comfort in the, mem the memories of playing with Barbies with her daughter when she was younger and the special bond they enjoyed, which had diminished as her daughter had matured. Gloria feels compelled to sketch new Barbies as an act of healing. These new Barbies experience intrusive thoughts the same inflicting stereotypical Barbie, the same inflicting stereotypical Barbie and which are responsible for her demise and break from Barbie perfection. Gloria creates existential dread Barbie, a Barbie who begins to crack under the pressure of unrealistic gender expectations and contradictory social dictates, which are brilliantly and power powerfully conveyed in Gloria's monologue toward the end of the film. In the monologue, she rallies the Barbies in Barbie Land by asserting that women in the real world, and perhaps even in Barbie Land too, are coerced not only to be perfect by patriarchal beauty standards, but they must also be perfect caregivers, employees, bosses, leaders, friends, and feminists. And she calls for the creation of an ordinary Barbie, a Barbie who reflects all that she already is. Stereotypical Barbie's existential death becomes a birth into a new authentic identity, one that is not defined for her or manufactured to suit the ideals of a patriarchal society. While I am a middle-class white woman, I felt the impact of gender discrimination as a form of oppression my entire life and still do every day. When I was 13 or 14, my father offer, offered without prompting 
to pay for cosmetic surgery to correct those areas of my body that he found offensive to the eye under the condition that I lose weight first. I'm not sure which was more damaging and disturbing, his callous and inappropriate evaluation of my body or the fact that he assumed I would want cosmetic surgery and badly enough to accept it as an incentive to lose weight. It's as if my father saw his, his own, my own body as an extension of himself and his image, his ego, and that this image reflected his own vanity and insecurities. I was not seen as an autonomous human with a body of my own. My body was perceived as his property to be sculpted and perfected to match an ideal which he too was subjected to, although he probably didn't even realize it. He was subject to the notion that objectifying, humiliating, and owning women's bodies was acceptable. When I was 27, I visited with distant cousins one weekend. One man in his, in his 40s, who I had just met, replied after I shared my career aspirations with him that I was better suited to be a cocktail waitress. Later that evening, he called me a ditz for forgetting his name. In elementary school and middle school, I was mercilessly bullied for a body that did not conform to what was considered beautiful or normal for a girl. I was too strong, too active, too muscular, too overweight. And my body has changed over the years and has presented differently at different times in my life. I have had the opportunity to live both as a woman who does not and cannot conform to a mythic beauty standard and as a woman who does conform. In a perfect world, gender discrimination would cease as we become adults. However, I continue to run up against everyday reminders that I am viewed by some as less important, less knowledgeable, less skilled, and less valuable than a man, than a man and I'm continually reminded of my gender. For six months this past year, I emailed and spoke in person to our super of our apartment building multiple times, asking for urgent apartment maintenance repairs, and I received no response. When my male partner, who does not live in our apartment, mentioned the needed repairs to the super in passing, we both received an affirm affirmative response from him the very same day. These and countless other acts of implicit and explicit aggression and discrimination make the occasion of my gender or perceived gender inescapable. I think about gender a lot because I'm forced to every day. In the 2018 documentary, Tiny Shoulders, Rethinking Barbie, directed and written by Andrea Blaugrund Nevins, the history of the Barbie doll is traced from its inception in 1959 when the doll was invented by Mattel co-founder Ruth Handler. The documentary features interviews with Gloria Steinem, Roxane Gay, and Ruth Handler, who passed away in 2002, and shows how the designs of the doll evolved and devolved from decade to dec decade, reflecting the beauty standards of its time. The documentary presents Barbie as a sort of social barometer, measuring the public's reactions and attitudes towards women and by women, and the influence of different waves of feminism, as well as the backlash against feminism that triggered these reactions and attitudes towards Barbie. 
In the film interview with Gloria Steinem, she says of her generation of second wave feminists in the 60s and 70s, quote, Barbie was everything we didn't want to be. Barbie is also recognized in the documentary as being a pioneer in advocating for women working in professions that were traditionally reserved for men. In 1963, Mattel launched Career Girl Barbie and Miss Astronaut Barbie in 1965, long before certain professions and careers in general were acceptable or even possible for women. The fact of Mattel's declining Barbie sales in 1972 reflected the changing attitudes towards Barbie fueled by second wave feminist movements. And then in the late 80s and early 90s, Barbie was heralded as the ideal blend of success and femininity, a woman who could have it all. The documentary also follows Mattel's new launch of, in 2016, of Barbie dolls in three different body shapes curvy, tall, and petite, along with an array of different skin tones and hair textures, which had previously been introduced. These new Barbie, Barbies donned not just black, brown, black, red, and blonde hair, but blue, pink, and purple hair, and cut and dressed in the latest styles. Another fairly recent Barbie evolution is the doll's jointed limbs, which allow children the freedom to position the Barbies in more lifelike poses. When the new launch occurred in January of 2016, Time Magazine released an article responding to the launch the same day entitled, Now Can We Stop Talking About My Body? and featured the silhouette of a Kirby Barbie on its cover. Folks, representation matters. I can only imagine how I would have felt if in the early 80s when I was a child, I had had a curvy Barbie that was also affirmed as beautiful by society's standards, or even a Barbie whose limbs could move freely and with, and with flat feet and really awesome 80s sneakers. I remember at a certain age, like Gloria's daughter, Sasha, I became disillusioned with Barbie Part of it was my age, no doubt. I no longer had an interest in playing with dolls. But something else emerged also, a fascination with my becoming self, as defined by me, began to pull me out of fantasy and into reality as dark, painful, and oppressive as that reality could be. I realized on the inside of my adolescent self, at least, that I was free that my dreams, interests, and identity were my own. And as much as this conflicted with the myriad of negative messages I received by those around me, I could still hold fast to the sheer joy and creative independence that came with realizing myself as a human being, as a whole person who takes up space on this planet and is worthy of respect, no matter how dissonant the blessed sound of myself jarred with the cacophonous voices of conformity that surrounded me. Billie Eilish's song, What Was I Made For, which you just heard Rob play and sung beautifully, um, she wrote it for the Barbie movie. It captures the dissonance between who we think we are as dictated by our society and who we know ourselves to be truly. Even awakening to the freedom of determining oneself and one's purpose conflicts so much with what we are taught 
about what is right and good, given the conditions we are born into. Becoming who we are meant to be, or simply becoming who we really are, sometimes means defying the boundaries and social parameters we were taught to believe we have and are confined by. Friends, be and become your own truth. Listen to the still voice at your center that knows who you are and what is truly good and right. Our humanity is precious and is inherent within each of us and can be called upon when we are bombarded with confusing and destructive messages about, uh, about who others want us to be and their own fantasies of who we are. You, my friends, are enough. Hi, and welcome to Getting the Message, where we dive a little bit deeper into the themes of today's service. I'm really excited to sit down with our former intern, now Union Seminary graduate, uh, Jillian, who uh, joined us a couple of other times, uh, both earlier in the summer and then during your time as an intern. And it's great to have you back again, Jillian. Thank you, Ember. It's good to be here. Um, I had a lot of fun making the thumbnail for, for today's service with the... Um, with the Barbie theme, you know, fun to, oh. to look and find a good. Oh, I have to, know, I have to check that out. Uh, yes, please. Um, but a really unique theme. So, what what inspired the the theme? Besides, obviously, maybe the movie a little bit. Yeah, no, no, the the movie definitely inspired the theme. Um, but as you know, you know, I, I have an interest in gender issues and um, consider myself kind of like an old school feminist, but a feminist who's who's still learning about. Um, how feminisms, plural, are evolving and, um, you know, reacting to the current state of um, social um, dictates upon women and their also evolving roles in society as well. And I still think that there is a lot of work to do and these are important um, topics that we, that need to be discussed. And I get kind of get the impression that even though feminism has been around a long time, um, that some women may be fearful or maybe think or, you know, experience some self-doubt as I have around um, approaching the subject um, because they or myself, we're unsure. Um, how much uh, gender discrimination and um, attitudes and perceptions of women are considered oppressive in comparison to other oppressions um, such as trans uh, phobia and um, anti-trans attitudes and homophobic attitudes and racist racism. I mean, um, but again, this, you know, gender discrimination is still a form of, of oppression yeah. and I think it needs to be addressed. Definitely. Definitely. And the, the small parts that I did get to read through your sermon ahead of time. And, you know, I really appreciated your, um, your candor and approaching complicated issues and thinking through these things. Thank you. Um, for... uh, what were any of the, you know, specific sources did you kind of draw from like, Obviously, like so, the quotes were all really like drawn from different yeah. places. So the Gloria Steinem quotes, you know, I found and um, I I thought they really spoke directly to 
um, not only the theme of uh, gender equality or um, feminism, but also directly to the, the theme of the movie, um, of Barbie movie. Um, and some of the other quotes, you know, I just so happened to be reading this um, bio biography by uh, of Jesus by uh, John Dominic Crossan, and he talks about colonialism and colonial oppression of a subjective population and how that directly influences um, the subjected person's identity and sense of authentic self. Um, and that often becomes fractured between wanting to conform to the demands of the oppressor while also hating the oppressor and wanting to rebel and revolt against it. And um, he calls Jesus' healing of people who are subjected by oppressive dominant populations um, um, acts of revolution. Did I, I think it's acts. Yeah. Healing acts of revolution or revolutionary, yeah. Um, yeah, and it just, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> You can cut that part out. <laughs> we're just no, leaving we're leaving that in. Okay. Um, people deserve to see the the unedited. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that that's, um, yeah. There's like there, there's so so much going on, especially with the discussion around this Barbie movie. Um, like it, it's very much um, entered the um, the discourse on on online. Yeah. Um, one of the main things I have discovered that I actually discovered it uh, after Little Women uh, and not um, Barbie was that Greta Gerwig is a UU. So do you, here's my off the cuff question for you. What UU influences do you think you maybe see in the in the Barbie movie? Like, is there anything in it that makes you, that would make you think, wow, someone with a UU background directed this? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, you know, there's just the sense of grappling with I issues of identity and belonging like identity that's very you and also humanity right um and i think the um america ferrero's character gloria really um brings like that sense of humanity and also her relationship with her daughter is um kind of a source of um truth and um reality that people can relate to and um i think in a lot of ways the movie is about um reclaiming our humanity um amidst you know all these like manufactured and like artificial um demands that are placed upon us right also just feels inherently a little bit uu to like take um a pop culture thing and try and think deeper yeah. about it than expected yeah instead of just doing like a very surface level movie to to dive a little bit deeper into like thinking about the complexities because you know a different director might have literally just made it a a movie that was about a barbie going on an adventure but right instead you know there was a lot of uh really deep challenges to thinking about like what life means that yeah exactly and I've, I've heard people complain about um her the barbie film and as compared with her other films 
and that it was too commercial and it was too, you know, Disney, Mattel world. Um, but I didn't actually get that impression when I watched the movie. I thought there were very subtle ways and more explicit ways that they deviated from like the, the, um, model that, that Disney often uses right. you know, a little a little bit of subversion and a little a, bit of subversion. You know, Mattel still had to give their clearance to having the movie be put out with yeah, the Barbie game. Which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it might not be the same with the Polly Pocket yeah. movie. Um uh, I think it's already being cast actually. Um but one thing I did notice when I was like doing a little research online about the Barbie movie is that the way it was framed and promoted and discussed on different you know um sites often did not reflect the very ideals and the very like purpose of the film Mm -hmm. um there was one site i went to and you know um it was not necessarily reputable space but it was just you know i came across it in passing and the entire cast was um there were little like, you know, introductions to each of the actors who played each part. And I think with the exception of stereotypical Barbie played by Margot, um, oh my God. Robbie. Robbie, thank you. The next 10 characters following her character were all Ken's and male actors in the film. And I scrolled to the very bottom um, and um, they didn't even include um, America Ferrara's character Gloria or her daughter in the cast, right. and I thought that was really disappointing and not um, well representative of the movie. A case study to be studied for you. Yes. <laughs> well, Julian, thanks for a great message and for taking the time to sit down. Thank you so much, Ember. Mm-hmm.